Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. It's never been more important to diversify your financial portfolio. Well, that's right. The S&P is down 20% from the last year, and this year looks even worse. Gold and precious metals offer a hedge against inflation and stock market volatility. And Legacy Precious Metals is the company Ken and I trust. Protect your retirement account by rolling it into a gold-backed IRA or have metals shipped directly to your door. Call our friends at Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or visit buylegacygold.com. When it comes to a thriving career, everyone could use a little support, especially when it comes to transitions. At LHH, we help every step of the way. We're committed to personalized support, insights, and resources that lead to more job opportunities than ever before. No matter what role a professional has in your organization, our services offer an experience that fits each person individually. And for organizations, LHH provides consultant support and guidance through the entire outplacement or career transition process, understanding the sensitivity and impact on your team. The world is full of new possibilities, and we help both organizations and individuals realize the possibility of what's next. It's outplacement reimagined. Visit LHHtalent.com. That's LHHtalent.com to get in touch with an outplacement consultant today because everyone and every organization could use a little support, especially when it comes to transitions. LHH, helping you every step of the way. Visit LHHtalent.com. Well, Uh. welcome, everybody. Uh, We hit the end of the week. It was at this very time. On Monday, we learned that the effort to put on the ballot the recall of George Gascon as L.A. County D.A. was not going to happen. The immediate reaction, of course, was the suspicion around the L.A. County Registrar of Voters, Dean Logan. In fact, the dumpster committee met that night and was going to throw him in the dumpster today. Should but we, should what we, does John say? Wait three days. Wait three days. Let In me case, t- four days. Really, last night, articles began to come out that might give us a clue as to why this did not qualify for the ballot. One of them was by reporters with the Orange County Register, another from Red State. 
talking yeah. about how it looks like the problem was on the uh, the recall oh, signature gathering end. Many problems. Uh, then I, I, you know, I just read this story from RedState.com, and it and it's a, it's a conservative political site. It's written by Jennifer Van Lar, who we've we've had on the show before. She had the story about that uh, congresswoman up in the Lancaster area who had the three-way going with her husband and another another woman. Remember? Uh, oh yes, the right. one that resigned. Yeah, that that was that was her story, and she came on with that. Well, she's got another one. I tell you, this story really angers me and really pisses me off, and I I just cannot believe how, uh, assuming this story is correct, uh, how in, in grossly incompetent to the pro- point of fraudulent the, the the organizers here of the recall George Gascon committee. I mean, it, it wasn't on Dean Logan. We should retrieve him out of the dumpster. But we didn't put him in. I said it was uh, voting to put him in, and then we said, let's wait three days, and let's see how this unravels, well, and let's see what the it, recall people want to do as far as challenge this, and... Yeah. And then we saw these two stories last night, and he's not going in the dumpster because he can't just immediately jump to conclusions. This um, is not Trump world. Uh, you, we you try know to be a little bit, uh, a little, uh, give look, things a little look, bit chance to breathe. Dean Logan has a terrible resume, okay? He's been involved in more than enough voting scandals. This just doesn't have to happen to be one of them. And what was the first clue? The first clue was it wasn't about signature matching. Most of the rejected signatures were people who were not registered to vote or had signed right. more than once. And what That it, was the clue to me that it probably wasn't on Dean Logan unless somehow they were no. doing something there so, that I couldn't quite figure out. But. It, it pointed to that the signatures were not properly vetted. When, when you have that many signatures that are rejected because you have uh, voters who were not registered or uh, voters who uh, signed more than once, duplicates, then it's clear that basic vetting was not done and that you had incompetence here. And the story that Jennifer Van Lar lays out here is just well, is going to make your blood boil. Yeah, apparently what she did was a combination of whistleblowers, I guess insiders who told her stuff, and then some other people who told her stuff on the record. But she concludes, and this sounds familiar, the recall committee's purse strings, the money, and it was millions, by the way, were controlled by political consultants who were being paid by the campaign and who contracted with vendors on the basis of cronyism or financial gain instead of competency. Here's why this is important. You hire hire political consultants... Uh, They're mercenaries. They don't believe in anything. They don't believe in a political party, a candidate, an ideology, nothing. They're a gun for hire. And they know how to manipulate people by spending money on campaign commercials. Many of those are misleading or outright lies. That's what they're good at. They're good at manipulating and fooling people. And they like to take the big money they get from a campaign and dole it out to their buddies who run all these parasitical organizations like Signature Gathering. I mean, think about it. Doesn't Signature Gathering sound like an absurd way to make a living? An absurd company? But if you have a buddy who's a political consultant, he will funnel you all this campaign money and you're going to make a fortune on it. And you don't care. These people who collect the signatures don't care either about the issue or about the politician. But there were several companies involved in this. Uh, She writes, sources with the campaign said that during the first three months of signature gathering, petition forms were delivered weekly to something called C3 Public Strategies, a company in Newport Beach, for validation. At some point between mid-May and early June, their contract was terminated and the committee contracted with Allied Data, 
a firm in Colorado. The petition forms were scanned and reviewed electronically by Allied Data, ostensibly to weed out people who weren't registered to vote or duplicates or address mismatches or out-of-county signatures, illegible signatures, and signature mismatches. To say the task was done poorly is a misstatement. Red State reviewed photographs of petitions that were turned into Logan's office and observed signatures of people living in Calexico, Oakhurst, Mendocino, Madeira, Berkeley, Tehachapi, Del Mar, and even Pryor, Oklahoma. Yeah, even an eight-year-old could pick out that Pryor, Oklahoma should have been screened out. She, uh, she wrote. She actually has the photographs. They just redacted most of the information, except for you can see uh, address box has Mendocino in one of them. Listen to this. Tehachapi, I see it another one. Despite the vast sums of money raised and spent, the quality of the signatures submitted to L.A. County was, quote, embarrassingly incompetent in the words of one former professional who viewed some of the materials provided to Red State. Embarrassingly incompetent. You got one job, collect signatures and verify that they're real. And they couldn't do it. And they blew a lot of money. Millions of dollars they blew. Uh, it says another facet of this is that there has to be an attestation. Every sheet of signatures must be attested to by the person, the circulator. If you did one yourself, downloaded it on the website, you saw that you have to sign to as the circulator. And it has to be done in your own, in your own handwriting. If it's not filled out or is filled out incorrectly, the entire page of signatures is disqualified. So based on documents reviewed by Red State and witness interviews, a large number of paid circulators did not complete the attestations properly. And that wasn't caught by the signature gathering firm or by C3 or by Allied Data or the committee until the last week or so before the petitions were to be turned in on July 6th. Now, here's something really damning and infuriating, if it's true. Multiple witnesses confirmed to Red State that the two top campaign officials in the office instructed staff to complete the attestations themselves including forging signatures if necessary. And while this was occurring, at least two deputy DAs who supported the recall were there, but no one stopped the illegal conduct from occurring, which she says is a violation of their oath of office and state bar ethics rules. So Jennifer Van Lahr is saying that her reporting indicates that two deputy DAs who worked for Gascon but wanted Gascon recalled were uh, in the room when forgeries of signatures were occurring. Uh, the other entity involved here, and we can talk about them more after the break, because that's the other article that was written by reporters at the Orange County Register, an organization called Let the Voters Decide. Uh, and apparently their owner, Mark Jacoby, uh, was on Facebook not too long ago, telling his circulators to actually go to Michigan because it seemed to be, he was telling them there's more money to be made there. In, ter- in other words, you know, go there, not, not collect signatures for the Gascon recall in Michigan. There must have been some recall they're working on in Michigan. He was saying, just go there. Leave California for Michigan. Michigan is where it's at. So there, there seems to be a problem. Uh, well, it looks let, like it's as much as $7 a signature now is what they're getting. Did I read that somewhere? Yeah. Uh, let the voters decide, uh, filed a lawsuit, and they're claiming the recall committee is was unwilling to pay the market rate per signature, which made it difficult for let the voters decide to find a sufficient number of gatherers. Uh, but then they found this uh, 
Facebook message where he was Mark Jacoby was telling everybody to go to Michigan. Yeah, they were paid $3.2 million during the campaign. But as John just said, they're suing the recall for unpaid bills. All right, we'll talk about that aspect of the story because uh, there were two big ones that ran in the last 24 hours trying to give us an inside look as to what went wrong with the signature verification process and the George Gascon recall. More coming up. Funny, all the uh, recall organizers aren't fighting to get on the air with us today. Why is that? John and Ken, KFI. There's one more paragraph in this red state story about the Gascon recall and the failure to get the signatures, enough signatures verified. That's what news we got on Monday. Uh, Jennifer Van Laar writes, on July 6th, the day the petitions were turned in, the 10 a.m. count announced at headquarters was 656,000. Within a few hours, Let the Voters Decide delivered tens of thousands of signatures to the office. Some witnesses say 60,000 signatures were delivered. Others think it was closer to 30,000. Why such a last-minute rush? Sources say there was continual financial discussions between Let the Voter Decide and this woman that was running uh, the administratively the recall. And uh, yeah, she Cassandra. had to raise supposedly $700,000 that weekend or they weren't going to get the signatures from Let the Voters Decide. So that's what was part of the back and forth and why there was a last-minute rush of signatures because Let the Voters Decide. It's like, we're not giving you these until you pay us. That's the speculation. Yeah. Now, this woman you mentioned, Cassandra Vandenberg, yeah. uh, she's widely acknowledged as controlling the campaign committee. And one whistleblower told Red States an anonymous whistleblower, that she knew for more than a month that the committee's progress was woefully inadequate. She knew that signatures from out-of-county people and non-voters were being counted by the committee as verified signatures, and she even instructed campaign workers to leave them on petitions because, quote, we need the numbers. And finally, Cassandra Vandenberg instructed campaign workers in front of multiple deputy district attorneys to forge the signatures of circulators in the attestation of the petition that are signed under penalty of perjury. And the, and, and the circulators are the ones who supposedly gather the signatures. The attestation is their signature saying that, yes, I'm the person who circulated this petition. I gathered them. I'm real. And so they were they were forging this. So there's at least one person. And, you know, we don't know what's true and what's not true. No. On any I, I do want to say that this was an unbelievable task. A lot of people are comparing it to the recall of Chesa Bowden in San Francisco because that's a far more left progressive place than L.A. County. But they only had to collect a fraction of the signatures required here in, in a county of 10 million people. 567,000 signatures is a lot to get in, in the short time period that they had. It was a tough task. But you have they, to be competent at it. I know. And they had a lot of money. They had millions. Well, let the voters decide as this Florida company was involved in this, too. And they're the ones that spoke to the Orange County Register. A couple of reporters there, Scott Schwerke, Schwebke and uh, Jason Henry, spoke to a man by the name of David Leibowitz. Now, they are suing the Gascon recall people for $500,000 in unpaid bills for signature gathering, which lends a little credence to that last story we just told you that maybe this woman was in a hurry and she had to collect more money so she could hand it over to let the voters decide before they'd hand over that last batch of signatures, whether it was 30,000 or 60,000 signatures. So there may be something to that because they're suing for not being paid. Um, but uh, he just said the whole thing was just unorganized. He called it amateur hour. This is Leibowitz. 
for let the well, voters decide. Their consultants made poor decisions, ignore, ignored advice. Oh, you name it, they did it. They collected signatures on the cheap. They didn't pay their bills. They used expensive direct mail that failed. And they didn't have a clue how to verify signatures for submission. Well, how hard is that? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, this is a tough task. But you're required to execute it because you've got you've got millions of dollars pouring in in donations. You've got the hopes of millions of people here in L.A. County. You've got the family and, and the survivors of all these horrible crimes committed by people that Gascon either released early or didn't prosecute properly. There, there, there's a lot of people grieving and desperately wanted Gascon out. And there's a lot of people that are going to die because of what Gascon is doing. And this was the vehicle we had to end his career. And, and, and they crashed the car. And they crashed the car because they're incompetent? I, I mean, was this just a money grab on the part of the consultants? And one thing missing from Jennifer Van Lahr's story, what are the name of the consultants? What are the name of the people who, who ran these companies who were the cronies? Who got the contracts from the consultants? Who got 4. the millions of dollars? Four point eight million dollars was spent. Four point eight million. Four point three of it went to let the voters decide. Now it does say that it ended up being nine dollars and twenty-two cents for each valid signature. According to Ballotpedia, in twenty twenty-one, the average cost per required signature on referendums nationwide was fourteen dollars and seventy-four cents. So maybe they did cut corners a bit. But you're trying to get these signatures through and, and not spending enough money on good verification. And Gascon is a lethal threat. He's, he's really, really a deadly district attorney who's got to be removed from office. But we're sitting here and we're putting all these recall uh, organizer executives on, people who run this committee. And they're constantly assuring us things are going great, things are going great, things are going great. I don't like being lied to. I don't like being BSed. You know, we got we got uh, a million listeners, and they're listening, and they're thinking, oh, everything's going well, everything, oh, cool, everything's going well. Maybe well, they're being told go. what they wanted to hear and didn't realize yeah, and well, weren't told that the, it's not going so well. I'm not, you know, I'm not into all the excuses. You do your job properly. That's the end of the day. End of the story. Okay? Do your friggin' job properly. You got a lot of money. You got a lot of publicity. I have never seen so much publicity to recall a local official in my life. All right? So you had, you, oh, plus Gascon was committing an atrocity almost every week, sometimes several times a week. So there were plenty of stories to keep the momentum going, to keep people reminded of why he had to be removed. You couldn't have a, a and plus, he's a very unlikable character. All right? So he, he's not a charmer. He's not a good-looking, smiling guy who can uh, charm your pants off. You, you're not going to get a better guy to recall than George Gascon. You're not going to get more publicity. You're not going to get more material to work with. You're not going to get a show like ours to put. I mean, how many friggin' segments have we done? I'm really pissed off. I don't want to be used by a bunch of incompetent amateur hour fools. You say you're going to do this. You got to do this. Don't tell me, oh, that's so hard it is. Yeah, it's hard. You said you were going to do it, and you had the money to do it, and you had the time to do it. Looks like you just botched it up. The... Uh... Article ends with a quote from the recall committee spokesman who was on our show, Tim Leinberger. We're concerned about any voters who were registered and had their signatures not counted. Well, if you can come back with some proof of that, that's fine. But what the red state has begs to differ with that possibility. Yeah. It sure looks like a lot of bogus out of state or out of county signatures to me. Well, you better have a Hail Mary here.
because it doesn't take much to look down if you're an LA County Registrar working in the office there and you see Mendocino or you see Kern County if somebody signed Kern County. Okay, fine. That's what they signed the petition for. Maybe Zip they didn't code. know I think where they wrote in Kern County. Maybe they didn't know where Oklahoma was. Maybe they didn't know where Kern County was. I mean, uh, I mean, you mean I the people is, who were, yeah, the you people know what, were, You know what this no, is? No, I think the pressure was, we've got to get the signatures. So much money was raised. We just have to, and we have to tell the media, we're, we're hitting 700,000, yes. and that cushion is coming. Oh, I think there was a lot yeah. of pressure. And then? Just and, to give the right story. Right. So they'd, they'd hit the number, and then they came on our show and started BSing us and saying, well, Dean Logan doesn't have the uh, right law that they use to interpret the signatures. Remember that? That was, yeah, that was smoke and mirrors. That was just to distract everybody, because everybody obviously would distrust Dean Logan based on his record, right? So, of course, you would distrust him. Man's full of uh, vote-counting scandals. Not this time, though. Nice try. And it worked for, uh, for a week or two. But as it turned out, it, this is not him. This is you guys. And I resent you coming on and blowing smoke to try to confuse the issue. We're not here to be used as some kind of public relations mouthpiece, a bunch of spokesholes. You're supposed to come and tell us the truth because our job here is to tell the listeners the truth as to what's going on. And, right. and I bet you a lot of listeners gave money, and they did signature gathering, or they downloaded the petitions at home, and they went through this, and they were assured that, that this, this, was, uh, this was a professionally run organization. Apparently, it's not. All right, Steve Gregory's coming on next. The KFI News reporter's got his show Unsolved, which is having its season premiere this weekend. And the topic will be something that was much discussed on the John and Ken show this month in 2013, the disappearance of a 19-year-old by the name of Bryce Lespisa. More coming up. John and Ken, KFI. All right, well, we'll continue to slog through. We just spent uh, the last 30 minutes of the show going through the possible reasons why the George Gascon signature verification process failed. And mm. we cannot put it from what we are understanding right now on the registrar voters, Dean Logan. It looked like it was just a poor handling by the recall campaign of the signature verification process because you do something first before you hand over the signatures to make sure you're not handing over like a whole bunch of yeah. ones that are going to get bounced. It, it looks like they just really boobed this up. Boob. They're really incompetent. And again, you notice nobody from this uh, recall committee is calling us to get on the air to explain it, are they? It's All right, funny. Well, back when they in, wanted uh, to do their rah-rah. August of 2013, so we go back nine years on the John and Ken show. We did spend some time on a missing person story. This time, though, it, it was a male. Usually it's the female missing persons cases that get all the fascination. But this was a Southern California 19-year-old by the name of Bryce Las Pisa. So uh, we're going to talk now with uh, Steve Gregory because that's uh, part of the subject of the... Uh, season debut of his Unsolved show coming up this weekend. That's right. It's on uh, Saturday from 8 to 10. Is that correct, sir? That's right, guys. Thank okay. you very much. All right. Well, uh, this... Uh, what can you tell us about giving away your whole show? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know... Give us a five-minute version so to, I can go out Saturday. You know what I'm Maybe he shows up at the end of your show? You to, found him? To my surprise, John seemed so interested in it yesterday when he, when he heard the promo. And he came to talk to me about it. And I couldn't tell him everything. But I did Fine. tell him some things. Okay. Uh, some things I'm not, I can't even put on the air, but I will tell you that uh, there are some new revelations in the case, not necessarily new leads, but just things that we didn't know when we were covering it. Because I remember when you guys, you know, it, you kind of had it on every day. There was always an update. I was covering it up at the scene. I remember, do you remember like when there was that burned body that was found days yes. later? Yes. And they all thought that had something to do with it. it ended up being a, a gang hit. From down in South LA, so there are all kinds of weird things well, like that. Go through the case. basics of yeah, it. Yeah, give people the yeah, basics. Sure, a lot you of our listeners don't let's go back nine years ago. As uh, Ken mentioned at the top of the of the segment, 
back in August 30th, 2013. That was the last one any, anyone saw of Bryce Laspisa. But a few days prior to that, that was what authorities said kind of gave them a, a pattern of behavior. So he was going to a junior college in Northern California near Chico, and he was dating this girl. He decided sort of randomly one day that he was going to break up with the girlfriend, started giving away all of his personal possessions, including uh, diamond earrings that his mother had given him. So he was, um, you know, he was sort of coming to grips with something, and that's what detectives said that really baffled him. And when he finally called his mother and said, listen, I'm coming home, I've got something very serious to talk to you about. In fact, uh, I'm going to play for you this cut now. This is Bob Martindale. He's the detective that we interviewed this week and who happened to be the original investigator in 2013. This is cut A, Eric. He talks about the breakup that he just went through with his girlfriend. His mom wants to fly up and comfort him, but I guess Bryce said no. When we did speak to mom, mom to Karen, which is Bryce's mom, she indicated that Bryce says, no, don't make a reservation. Uh, I'm going to come down to uh, Laguna Niguel where their parents were living because we have a lot to talk about I have a lot to talk to you about and that probably that statement alone is the one thing that baffles me to this day and I think also to Karen and Mike the parents um, they don't quite know and I, I can't make it out and I don't think anybody can is he had when he says I have a lot to talk to you about um, you just don't know what that meant. What complicates this thing a little bit, too, is the fact that at this point, Bryce, who is 19 years old, a sophomore at this community college or this junior college, has been consuming large amounts of alcohol on a regular basis, and he's been taking this prescription medication, but he, he wasn't prescribed the medication, but been taking this medication very similar to Adderall, an ADHD medicine. So he's been taking all of this. They suspected that he had some sort of a psychotic break. Anyway, he gets in his SUV after he gives away his belongings and starts heading south on the 5. Well, he gets as far down to the Button Willow rest area, which is just before the grapevine, southbound on the 5. He pulls over and he just sits there for hours at a time. At some point, he tries to buy some gas. It alerts his parents on their American Express card that, that there was a purchase. So now they, they realize he's getting closer and closer to home, but they still don't see him. He's hours overdue. At this point, he makes contact with a tow truck driver a couple times, and at one point, Kern County Sheriff's deputies actually give him a field sobriety test because he'd been sitting there for so many hours. In cut B here with Martindale, he talks about that rest area and sort of some of the things that Bryce might have been going through. He's contemplating doing something, whether it's to go south or go back north, go east-west, I don't know, but there's no reason for him really to be at the rest stop for the, the long period of time he was. My belief is contemplating something in his life at this point. What do you mean? Looking back on it, before he left um, to go south to Mike and Karen's house in Laguna de Gil, um, what a lot of people do, they're contemplating suicide is he gave away items, items that you don't necessarily give away if you plan on returning. So at this point, Bryce is not talking to his parents. He tries to leave again. He's pulled over by Kern County Sheriff's Department. They, they search his car. They, they talk to him. They figure out he hasn't done nothing wrong. So sometime between there 
and the time that the uh, his SUV is found, he drives off of an embankment near Lake Castaic. And in doing so, he hits the bottom uh, of a ravine and the car, the SUV flips over. And when CHP gets there after someone reported seeing it, all they found inside was a backpack with a laptop, some clothes, his wallet, and a few drops of blood. At this point, no one has seen him. They bring in cadaver dogs, they bring in bloodhounds, they bring in the dive team. It is the detective's assertion that he was trying to drive off that embankment and into the lake. So he, he had some substance abuse problems, is that true too? Yeah, and that was the uh, Adderall type medicine. And I, the uh, brand name I think is called Vivance, or similar to, similar to Adderall. And he was doing that, and he was not prescribed that medication, and he was also drinking large amounts of alcohol. And if you take too broken up with his girlfriend, yeah, yeah and if you take away his possessions, you take take too much of Vivance, it could uh, uh, cause a lot of problems in your brain. Well, and and you got to remember, he's 19 years old. He's in that what they call that sweet spot for young men that will start developing bipolar disorder, other anxiety disorders, things of that nature. So I was asking the detective about that. But one of the most prevailing theories and the tips that they would consistently get about Bryce is that he was about to come out of the closet. And that was the thing that he was most anxious about, the thing that was tormenting him the most. But this case has been the subject of so many 48-hour specials, uh, documentaries, podcasts, whatever. The detective says up till two weeks ago, he's still getting tips on this case. Because every, he can tell when another show airs or replays about this case, his phone rings every time. I mean, in your experience or the experience of the people you spoke to, what is more likely? We just haven't found his remains yet, or he's really managed to just uh, assume a new life somewhere? I would really love to tell you that, but then no one will tune in tomorrow. Oh! I, perfect, though. <laughs> We're almost done with you, and I, yep. I got the good question in. <laughs> but he uh, does. I finally, it takes me two hours. But finally, in the last segment, I get him to tell me what he thinks happened. Now, this was Karen and Michael, a species only son. Mm -hmm. uh, do you know anything about them now? And what well, all he knows is that they all moved out as a family from Chicago after his parents retired. And but are they, they still in Orange County? To my knowledge, they're still down there. And I, I believe that there's been contact with the family uh, up to an, like a, almost a year ago, I think, is what the detective told me. All right, Steve. Tomorrow night, it's the season premiere of Unsolved, right? Yes, Eight Season three. Thanks, eight, guys. Eight o'clock. Appreciate eight. the support. Eight to ten. Uh, no All problem. right. Bye, guys. Steve Gregory uh, from KFI News, and of course his show Unsolved on KFI. The Bryce Laspisa case, which, yeah, we had Karen on the show, and uh, I think because of the nature of the way we interrogate people, I, I think as John as I remember, there was something that we guess we were like uh, something not telling us was kind of what we were, and I didn't remember the substance abuse issue. This vinase. Vivance. Vivance? I, I don't remember that. Talking about that back then? Uh, no. An I, amphetamine I, derivative used to treat ADHD, but he didn't have that condition. So side effects could include psychosis, depression, and mania. Yeah, it's very common. High school and college kids uh, uh, trade Vivance and Adderall all the time because it allows them to stay up all night to either party or to uh, cram for exams, study. So it's uh, they're, they're they're like sugar pills in school. I did it in college, not Vivance, but Adderall to yeah. write essays and study. Yeah, it kept mm. you up on there. Right? Oh yeah, and what it does for people with ADHD is it it calms them down and kind of centers their concentration. 
Because right. people with ADHD, you can tell when you talk to people like that, they, they bounce all around, right? They can't follow right. a straight line of thought. And then if you take the pill under prescription in moderation, it gets you through the day and you're able to focus on the world like uh, anybody else. All right, we got more coming up. Johnny Ken, KFI. Well, co coming up after 3 o'clock, what, what, what do you know? Mark Garagos is coming on the show, John. One of your all-time favorite attorneys. And of yes. Course, we had Mark on a lot back in 2020 when we got hit with the pandemic because uh, he was on the side of keeping restaurants open. He was on the side of believing that they were un overdoing it with all the lockdowns and ridiculous rules and regulations. And he also seems to have got involved with the whole <clears throat> the nail salon controversy. Remember when Gavin Newsom blamed the nail salon for some big transmission of COVID? Remember? Oh, he, yeah. He made that blanket statement yeah, one day. And everyone was like, where's this coming from? He was one of the, that was one of the first uh, boogeymen that uh, Newsom used to justify his garbage shutdowns of private business. Right. He just, he just pulled nail salons out of his rear end and decided they were going to be the, the poster child for spreading disease. So he's going to update us on a case, uh, a place called the Images Luxury Nail Salon versus the state of California. He'll tell us exactly what happened, but it was a favorable ruling for the nail salon. So we'll get that coming up after the news at 3 o'clock. Well, when we do these kinds of stories, because they come up every now and then, it's the story of somebody who was found dead and probably was in that same position for years. And when you get a story like that, John always thinks, oh, it's usually like a, a German guy sitting in a mm -hmm. chair and his TV is still uh, yeah, it's five years after he died. Nobody, nobody checked on him. Nobody knew. It's Florida or Germany. This Usually, is California. Yeah. I, and this uh, one's got quite a twist that I think could be the subject of like uh, some sort of a movie. Maybe not a long movie, but it happened in Jackson, California. It's in the Sierra Nevada foothills. I don't, you know, Jackson, California. No. Anyway. Here's how it went. A man by the name of Randall Freer, 63, died in July. Apparently, he was walking out of a business in the town of Jackson. He had some sort of undisclosed medical condition. I guess he collapsed. He died. So the next step, if you're the police, is to notify the next of kin, right? So they go to the residence and uh, they knock on the door. They hear something that sounds like a fan. One of them looks in the window. Hmm. Looks like there's somebody sitting there in a recliner. We want to go in and investigate. Well, it was. It was the dead guy's father who was sitting in that recliner for at least three years. Hence the fan. <laughs> Hence the fan now makes sense immediately. <laughs> Cause, because cause, and you think about this. They think that the father just died. He was supposedly 91 or the last, I think he would be 91. That the son, in order to keep cashing and getting his retirement and pension money, which happens, it's terrible, but it happens. But he just left his father's body just sitting in the recliner. <laughs> didn't even like move it, didn't even, I mean, wasn't going to report it, obviously, because then he'd lose the benefits. But he didn't do anything well, you, you know, humane you, at all. He just left it in the recliner. Well, I just yeah, found well, that a little odd. Well, because if you start moving dead body parts around, now you've committed a crime. You know, improper handling of remains. So this is just going to be failure to report. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know the law, but I, I you know, I probably figured if he dug a grave on the property, somebody would notice. They think he murdered Dad. You know, you, you start getting charged, and all he wanted is the money. And what's yeah. what? You, you know, no, he's not going to get charged now because he died. I mean, they wouldn't have found the dead body in the house but, if he hadn't died because they were looking for somebody to tell. He got well. He got three years benefits uh, out of it. Yes. 
yeah, the last time that the father, the father's name was Ada, Ada Clinton Freer, 91. The last time he signed a check was in 2016. But the son was on the father's account at the bank mm. and apparently was collecting the retirement and Social Security since whenever this guy died. The son assumed the dad's identity. He was probably living with his dad, living off his father. When the father died, he went, uh-oh. You know. Because I don't think this guy even had a job. He could have been uh, dead six years at the last check he signed. Was signed 2016. was 2016. He could have been dead Whoa. six years. They think at least three. I bet you the fan was on high. Uh, <laughs> I bet you didn't have a lot of friends over. No. No card night. No... <laughs> No Christmas gatherings? <laughs> not a, likely, right? You're, you're not going to ask people over for dinner. What's that? That's, oh, that's just a Halloween decoration thing I got going on. I just keep it out there year-round. <laughs> he could have done that. He could have said, said, Dad, I'm sorry. It's a Halloween prop. <laughs> yeah, I can be evil. <laughs> just a skeleton sitting in a rocking chair outside the front door. <laughs> Well, we hope the father died of natural causes, but I guess if you're living off your father, you wouldn't want to kill him because he's no, got the money. Look, he was, he was in the chair. Uh, a lot right. of guys just just give it up while they're watching TV. Right. Uh, it tired. says here, the official date of death for the father now is the date he was found. So mm. if other family members want to recover the money, because the son probably has something in the bank, right? Even if they want to recover it, they'll have to hire an attorney on their own to right. do that. All right, so it worked out for him. He got... Uh, Oh, he was found unclothed, the old man. Well, he was naked? Yeah. Well, what would be left? Naked. What do you call naked when you've been dead three or six years? <laughs> he was found unclothed. Um, and they say the sheriff's office had been called out there previously to conduct welfare checks, before, obviously before his death, but there um, must have been some concerns that... Uh, you know, at, at the end of the story, it says because the body had been sitting there for so long... There was no pungent odor. That's what happens, right. And the skin had taken on a leathery appearance. It had been so long that everything was dried out. Oh, like dried fruit. He had been... <laughs> what? <laughs> He'd been there for years and years and years. If the son was still alive, the guy would still be sitting there, basically. Yeah, if the son hadn't died suddenly, they would not have gone to the home to find the body. Might... Who knows how uh... many more years? The son died in his 60s. He could have lived another 20, 30 years. Sure. And... Sure, that's the it coroner. Would have been dust in that chair, right? That's the that's <laughs> that's the coroner. Kevin Raggio is saying this. <laughs> that's wow. <pretty> blunt. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, you're short of money, and Dad dies in your chair. Then just uh, keep him. There. Leave him there. Yeah, you you got to keep up appearances. Take the checks. I guess nobody came to visit Dad, which is sad. None of the nephews or anybody. Yeah, on. you know, when you're 91, you've outlived everybody. All right. When we come back. Mark Garagos will be on the show to bring us up to date in a case that he's, uh, his uh, firm is representing a, a nail salon. That whole battle with the state of California over the lockdowns and the blame. Coming up next. John and Ken show and Deborah Mark has the news. KFI AM 640. It's never been more important to diversify your financial portfolio. Well, that's right. The S&P is down 20% from the last year, and this year looks even worse. Gold and precious metals offer a hedge against inflation and stock market volatility. And Legacy Precious Metals is the company Ken and I trust. Protect your retirement account by rolling it into a gold-backed IRA or have metals shipped directly to your door. Call our friends at Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or visit buylegacygold.com. 
When it comes to a thriving career, everyone could use a little support, especially when it comes to transitions. At LHH, we help every step of the way. We're committed to personalized support, insights, and resources that lead to more job opportunities than ever before. No matter what role a professional has in your organization, our services offer an experience that fits each person individually. And for organizations, LHH provides consultant support and guidance through the entire outplacement or career transition process, understanding the sensitivity and impact on your team. The world is full of new possibilities, and we help both organizations and individuals realize the possibility of what's next. It's outplacement reimagined. Visit LHHtalent.com. That's LHHtalent.com to get in touch with an outplacement consultant today because everyone and every organization could use a little support, especially when it comes to transitions. LHH, helping you every step of the way. Visit LHHtalent.com. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This message comes from Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.